You're listening to. And what is poppin', everybody? You're listening to the Good Pop Culture Club, episode 171. My name is Marvin Yuit, and joining me as always to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days for the last time until, I guess, Halloween, November. November. Um, welcome to, I guess, we can call this the season one finale, even though we don't do seasons <laughs> on this show. But we're going to, um, for various reasons, if you're longtime listeners, you know that we're, we're going to take a quick hiatus because the one, the only, the once in future professional Asian American, Just You, is ha- getting married in a few yes, weeks in yes, Italy. Yes, don't do it, guys. And, I mean, get married, but don't have a wedding. <laughs> and we will all be there. In the hillsides of Tuscany to help yes. to to celebrate the occasion. Um, yes. Excited? Are you excited, Jess? Get there. I think once I hit the plane and like mm-hmm. I can't stress out malt stupid things anymore, <laughs> I will be. Uh, I know. I'm some right my, with you. <laughs> you know, some of my friends have already left. They're going to do a little vacay Ooh. beforehand and like end in Florence. So I'm like, that I'm like, oh, it's starting plan. to feel real. When are I'm you actually, leaving? Marvin? I'm flying out tomorrow. So oh, by the time you listen to this episode, shit. I will be in Madrid. So I really have to upload tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. Yes. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, I'm excited. Um, it's going to be my what's popping. So just because it's, it's okay. The only thing I've been able to do this whole week is figure out what to pack and not packing until today. So uh, I mean, I'm probably doing that like this weekend. Uh, <laughs> Also joining us on this podcast and also in Italy is the most professional of culture editors, Han Nguyen. Hey, Han. Buongiorno. Congratulations <laughs> are in order because um, you have work again, apparently. Um, we'll cover this in our, our news segment later on. Yes. But, uh, well, one of the strikes is over. We're still waiting yes. on the other one. But it, um, it's Regardless, it's a relief. So. <laughs> We will go over that. Yeah, because for our last episode before our hiatus, uh, we're doing our monthly Asian American Entertainment News Roundup. Do we want this? And whew, it's slim pickings out there because there hasn't been a lot of news besides the strike is going on and nothing's really happening because of the strike. But now that the writers are going back to work, um, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe we'll... we'll Get some more, get some more announcements come next. Do we want this? But um, before we get to the news, let's find out what pop culture is picking us through this week. Uh, Jess, what's popping? So to, I guess, highlight my wedding plan, fugue, 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 fugue. It's a weird word, but I love it. Fugue Uh, is the blowfish. Yes. yes, Fugue. (laughs) <laughs> so in my like little task, I have um, made the very deranged choice to just jump into the deep end. And I've been watching all 22 seasons of <laughs> Say Yes to the Dress available on Max. Mm. Yes, it's as deranged as it sounds. Are you watching all variations of it as well? Yeah, I started from most recent. I'm just going backwards. And like I've, I've watched the show. Um, it's a Sunday morning classic. TLC mm-hmm. used to have yes. just this on repeat, like every Sunday morning. And this is like a very good packing um, mm-hmm. TV. Yes, like, like yes. really, you're not missing anything. Uh, and it's just crazy. It's been on that long. And, you know, now having gone through it myself, I feel a certain type of way in all these situations mm. uh, and just seeing the trends and how they've 
kind of moved is really funny. Mm-hmm. But like, honestly, the best part of the show is the whole Panina Tornay of it all, mm-hmm. which Marvin, I don't know if you're familiar with. I am not. Panina Tornay is a wedding dress designer who designs what, in my opinion, no offense to everyone who wore Panina Tornay for their wedding, hideous wedding dresses, just hideous like over the top wedding dresses. Like we're talking like sheer corsets, like sheer bodices with like like a skirt as big as like a like making you look like a cupcake. Um and and they're really expensive. They're like ten thousand dollars for a panina torn for like a panina tornado dress. Like a cheap one would be like five, six thousand dollars. And this is like back in like the early 2000s and my favorite part is like she at certain and certain seasons she's just so popular she would just like pop out for like these episodes like oh guess who's in the Kleinfelds today it's putting a tournay she's like oh hello and i'm like whoa does this woman live here do they like bring her out when they have to like seal the deal um it's just very entertaining um and yeah it's it's exactly the level of mindlessness i need to get through my final push and it's on theme so i think there's like a there's an element of like oh i'm not i still i feel like i'm still not as crazy as some of these like families bridal parties women getting married in terms of like and i mean that in a empathetic way like i too have been driven crazy by this process so you know i don't feel so alone anymore oh have you watched the India or the non like the the spin-off versions of Say It Address? I have watched I've tried to watch the Southern one and it's it's a little too much for me. And like you can like the like the store isn't as big, you know? Like the store looks like kind of like a normal bridal salon as opposed to like the whole part of the like intensity of Kleinfeld is like this huge New York Manhattan like where beautiful warehouse of like thousands of white dresses um and you i just feel like you get more um like you just get all types of people coming in like people will fly in to go wedding dress shopping and like some of the cases in the southern one was like kind of sad like there's one which was like 18 and like I'm like, girl, are you in it? Like, you know, it's giving like kind of culty arranged marriage, like super religious family. And I'm like, ooh, blink if you need to be saved. Like, she kept looking to her dad for <laughs> approval. It's like, this is weird. Um, so New York is a little more like, it's just like I am, you know, it's like, like I like this dress, but my all my friends think it's ugly. Um, and I'm like, okay, yes, that's exactly, that's exactly the level of drama I need. Yeah. <laughs> You should check one episode out. I feel like if if I pick one episode, you watch it. I mean, I've watched it along with my wife because she was also mm. binging it leading mm. up to our wedding. So I think it's just a, it's just a thing, right? It's a staple. Yeah. 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 Much like um, um, hopefully it doesn't become um ingrained in your head like diners, drivers, and dives. But oh, oh no, I if I at this point I think I could like AI generate an episode of. Uh, say yes to the dress for you. Oh no, Han. Yes. What's popping with you? <laughs> Aha. So, um, at first, I was going to say Love Is Blind because you know it's back on Netflix, but man, this this season is rough. So, 
Um, I started a new reality show on Netflix. Uh, it is called The Devil's Plan. Basically, it's a new South Korean reality game competition. Mm. Oh, it's kind of the opposite of Physical 100 because they are okay. testing smarts. Um, oh it's God. not just academic, but uh, but sort of not just street smarts, but also logic, um, psychology, uh, like reading your other the contestants. So they pull 12 people into an elaborately creative like house. Right. Um, because all the set dressing in these Netflix Korean shows are like ridiculous. Um, and what is great is just it's kind of like what I love about, let's say, a heist film or any sort of Avengers type of film is introducing each person and their skills. Right. So uh, we got the person who is a science YouTuber and he literally only talks about science, which is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the actor who was like um, uh, tested in the top one percent of the the country for the national whatever test. I know Korean like uh, colleges and stuff like that are just ridiculous. Like they're way smarter than we are. They're more rigorous in what they test. So like that's mm-hmm. pretty impressive. Um, there's a professional poker player. Um, there are doctors and lawyers. And then there is the one idol from the uh, K-pop group 17. And what? literally it's Literally, he says, I'm not that smart. And that's the only line we've had from him so far. Uh, so we shall see what, what goes on there. Um, but it's a range of ages, which I really enjoy. Um, and they're not all super attractive, you know, uh, which I appreciate, I guess. Um, again, this is not Physical 100. Um, and uh, and I think um, the the personalities will be interesting. So what what's funny is i haven't finished the episode and i'm like oh so far i'm liking it because they took they did like an introduction so that took 20 minutes to meet everybody but then they took 10 minutes to explain the first game <laughs> and i'm just like should i be taking notes uh and then one guy right after he's like i didn't understand any of that someone explained it to me <laughs> uh so it's basically like they do two games every episode or every sort of competition round um and so this first game apparently it's very similar to something called mafia i don't i've never played it but if you've played mafia it's Mm -hmm. basically yeah you know there are various people you are assigned to play different roles but not everyone knows what your role is um and so there's a a little thing where you have to logic out who's who but also um who's your ally and who you can trust and you know sometimes um so this one is called virus and it's uh has terrorists and people who are infected and there's oh uh, researchers who are supposed to find uh, an antibody or whatever. Uh, there's one person who has antibodies and then there's a journalist. And I was like, what? <laughs> but the thing is, of course, these are just like labels with um, the roles that they play. I don't I don't think they're going to dress up in costumes or anything like that um, or play act. But um, because that would actually be giving away your identity. So it's kind of like all in your head um, what you're doing. So um, already we can see the different ways people are strategizing some are just really magnanimous and they're like i'm going to make sure all 12 of us get to the last round because that's the most fair way to do it and other people are like uh, i'm the opposite i want to knock out everybody you know so it's a uh, it's it's just really fun so far it has whiffs of squid game when it comes to the actual um sort of set dressing not not kids games but you know there's like ridiculous weird like pillars and stuff <laughs> i don't know is there a voice uh, changer host there is a is there no it is not that but there are people <laughs> who serve you and i forgot what they're called but they're basically like game 
butlers or something. And okay. they're and they're butlers in the house, you know. So and, and what are they playing for? There are uh there are chips called uh called pieces, but eventually it is to um get a five hundred something one pot. Um and the pot is at zero now. So I think it it grows the more um you play. Um or are successful playing and you can get eliminated eliminated and you can also if you're in the lower half of the uh first game of the day then you go to jail and then you cannot play in the second game uh yeah all of this sounds very demoralizing and i i can't wait to watch the rest how, of it. <laughs> how far away are we do you, or how far away do you think like south korea entertainment industry is from just reinventing survivor uh i mean I don't know how much they will do that. They already stick, you know, hot singles on Singles Inferno on an island. But I mean, look, they actually had a survival type of competition with women in various uh, industries like cops and then, um, you know, physical fitness people, which I tried watching, but I was kind of like, I'm not feeling this. Um, So, yeah, I can see them doing that. A survival show where, you know, it's like, the military people versus the cops versus the whatever. Um, but I, I feel like with the uh, popularity of physical 100, they're going to look for other ways for people to be muscular and like take off their shirts. So mm-hmm. sure. Yes. I can't dance wait competition for the American version of this show. In, in the I don't, it, it just won't be as charming. It just won't be as good. <laughs> <laughs> We know that even though Physical 100 had its problems, especially by the end, I still think it will be far and away better than if we did an American version. So, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But so far, I'm digging it. Yeah. Uh, so, Marvin, how about you? What's popping? I, I gave away the lead earlier, but what's popping is packing for this Europe trip <laughs> um, to go to Jess's. Not, I mean, we're not going for Jess's wedding. She happens to have her wedding in the middle of my honeymoon. So... Um, oh, this is your honeymoon officially. Yeah, our delayed honeymoon. Oh, that's lovely. Um, yeah, looking forward to getting there. So um, I guess what my what's popping is getting ready for that um, 12-hour flight um, and wondering what are, what are your guys' plans? Like, what are your, like, because I've flown to Asia a ton of times, mm-hmm. but flying to Asia for me usually is like taking like the 11, like the 1 a.m. flight and like sleeping the entire way there. Mm-hmm. It's not going to be the same because I'm flying out like, like 6 p.m. from here. Mm-hmm. Oh, same. Um, I don't know. I've been trying to figure out what I want to do. I'm loading up some books on my Kindle. I'm loading up mm-hmm. on a couple of games. There's a new game that just came out on the Switch called, um, I think it's Mineko's Night Market. It's oh, kind cute. of like a, like a live sim type of game. So... I don't know. I'll let you know how how well that works as a playing game when we, when we come back. Um, yeah, I don't know. I have such a low bar because I remember traveling as a kid pre like personal TVs, like like you didn't even have the small TV right in front of your seat. Yeah, and like on like very again with like you Marvin like going to Asia like to see family so I'm used to like 15 hour 17 mm-hmm. hour nonstop flights with like nothing to entertain me but like the CDs I brought on my Walkman <laughs> so like to this day like everything is like super chill like there's almost too many options like there's too mm-hmm. many movies to watch movies. on the screen I've uploaded my Kindle I have too many like 
things on my phone. I can even like delete. Like I spend a lot of my time on planes just doing like maintenance, like admin stuff. Like I delete mm-hmm. pictures and like organize my phone. Mm-hmm. Um, I I can sleep on planes now. I used to not be able to. Um, mm-hmm. I love a good air airplane meal. I'm like the only one mm-hmm. I know who likes airplane I like food. Those. <laughs> I find it really fun. I find it like yeah. you're unwrapping presents. Yes. I like and them when then, I'm on the Asian Airlines. Not well, as much better. when I'm flying United to Taiwan, which I did once and it was not uh-huh. as fun. Well, not as I'm flying good. I'm flying Air France. I heard their food is like pretty decent for like um, you know, and just the novelty of eating of getting food yes. and you know, because you know, domestic flights don't do that anymore. <laughs> Um, and then, you know, I bring a switch or one of me or my husband usually brings some kind of gaming device. He has to pick which one. And then I personally just like to bother him and like chill mm. with him. But he always falls asleep. Mm. He's a sleeper. Yeah. My usual like my flight to Asia routine is because they serve you dinner right away. Yeah. And then and I then watch a movie the and then they get sleepy and then I wake up when yeah. it's time for breakfast and then I'm there. Yeah. Um, my wife does not sleep on planes. So it sucks when you can't sleep on a plane, man. That thing, that's a slow <laughs> crawl. Um, and then, yeah, when your partner, especially when you're, you know, your travel buddy is fucking asleep, you're just like, this is so rude. Like, <laughs> um, and, but, you know, I will also say I'm very short. So mm-hmm. I find plane seats not that terrible. Like, I, I'm pretty comfortable in a, you know, and I'm happy for you typical seat but i know that's not the case for you and we sprung for premium economy could not afford business still but we sprung for premium economy and that was uh so i'm like ooh, like leg room the last time we checked are so we opted for a side row it's a three-seater and we picked the owl seat and the window seat because you figured if oh. someone does sit in the middle, we'll just switch mm-hmm. with them. They can have the window seat that they want. Um, okay. But we're hoping that no one takes it because the flight as of last week was was not full yet. Oh, so I don't know. Which is we're ch- playing we're playing airplane seat roulette right yeah. now. Yeah, I'm going to check, but yeah, I usually just get an aisle because I don't I don't want to be trapped, especially if I need a pee. Yeah, um, that's definitely- and I'm not the best sleeper so most of the time people aren't bothering me if they need to get by so we'll yeah see. i guess um that's what's popping um mm-hmm. i'm going on vacation so long suckers um <laughs> but before my vacation starts we got to get through our last do we want this for the month of september so when we come back we're going to go over um whatever is left of asian american entertainment news um in this um last month of the strike uh, so yeah stick around we'll be right back hi i'm charlene k i'm a musician songwriter and guitarist growing up i loved music whether it was pop acoustic emo i ate it all up But as a Chinese-American kid living in Scottsdale, Arizona, I also felt isolated, never really seeing artists who looked like me or shared my experiences. So after years of performing on stages all over the world, I wanted to create a space to highlight the amazing Asian musicians who I knew were out there, just not always getting played on the radio. That's why I started Golden Hour, a podcast where Asian singers, songwriters, instrumentalists, and music producers share their personal stories. And it's a space for you to discover your new favorite artist. Listen to Golden Hour with me, Charlene Kay, wherever you get your podcasts. 
part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Hi, I'm Marvin. And I'm Rira. And we're the hosts of Books and Boba, a book club and podcast dedicated to books by Asian and Asian American authors. Each month, we pick a book by an Asian author to read and discuss on the show. We read a variety of genres, including contemporary and historical fiction, sci-fi and fantasy, romance and cozy mysteries, and so much more. Our past book club picks have included Pachinko by Min Jin Lee, Patron Saints of Nothing by Randy Ribeye, Grace of Kings by Ken Liu, and The Kiss Potion by Helen Huang. Every month, we also go through the latest news in Asian American literature, as well as chat with some awesome Asian authors about their works. So whether you want to start reading for fun again or diversify your TBR list, we got your Asian literature cravings covered. For more info, check out our website at booksandboba.com, and you can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts part of the Potluck Podcast Collective. And welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. Welcome to um, the September edition of Do We Want This? Um, Good Pop's monthly Asian American Entertainment News Roundup. And like I mentioned, it's uh, it's pretty slim pickings this month. Um, not a lot of announcements or news. Um, there's been a couple stories that were interesting in some trailers, but I guess we should start off with the biggest piece of news, um, which just dropped like last night, this morning, slash slash this morning. Um, well, actually, just as of a few minutes ago. Yeah. <laughs> well, the initial announcement that a tentative deal that's been made was dropped like last night, right? It was yesterday. Yeah. Um, yeah, morning, actually. But no, Sunday night. It was right before um, Yom Kippur because people wanted to atone. Oh, so, oh yeah. nice. So, uh, there was a ripple basically during services that a lot of uh, Jewish um, community centers uh, in the middle of service, they announced it. And there was usually a, uh, there was a celebration. This was uh, from many of my Jewish friends were telling me this. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I guess on that note, Jess, what is our first story? The strike for one of the strikes, let's be clear, with the Writers Guild is officially over as of 12.01 a.m. Pacific time. So on on um, Wednesday, by the time you hear this. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. On Wednesday. So in five hours for us, it will officially be over. But that does not mean that it's over over because SAG-AFTRA is still on strike with the AMPTP, uh, and I believe the plan is to still be in solidarity with SAG-AFTRA in whatever mm-hmm. way. I don't yeah. know, not in either of those guilds, so um, don't know officially how that's going to work out. But they, the, the strike leaders, the negotiating team, has called this quote-unquote un- an exceptional exceptional so it seems like they got everything they wanted yeah i mean i took a look at the um the it's not a press release but like the announcement and it does seem like they got they got ai they got uh minimums they got like i think most of their demands met which is pretty like spectacular right given how long this strike went on for i guess it just goes to show that maybe the studios do need the labor of the writers more than they thought I mean, it's pretty incredible, like, just the effort that the writers and SAG-AFTRA and the allies, you know, pulled off in this strike. Uh, Because it did not seem, I know it was very tough 
Um, and I saw that a lot of my friends, you know, who are writers, you know, you could see their struggle, but mm -hmm. there was also like a sense of like, they were not going to lose steam mm -hmm. overall. Like no one was in, was in like danger of breaking and they were like very confident. I feel, which is, which was correct that, you know, they had the leverage in the situation and they weren't going to fall victim to like these threats by, AMTPT or whatever acronym, too many letters. <laughs> um, and like, wasn't it Zaslav was saying that he was like going to make them all be homeless or one of the executives yes. like said something to that effect. And it's like but that was the earliest, earliest one. And then, you know, they were like, well, we've made our final offer. And you're like, bro, that's not how that works. <laughs> you don't you don't have the power mm -hmm. to make the final offer here like that. And the things that um, make sense, right, because they were trying to employ like union busting tactics, which is like, don't you want money now so you can survive? Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you take the long term view of things, it's like. Taking whatever deal they offer you now means in the future you're in an even more like precarious spot. Right? Because right now, like even currently, like writing is unless you're on the upper echelons, is not exactly the most sustainable of jobs, even if you're in a steady like room. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you, I think. Sorry, Hanko. Oh, I was just saying um, sort of to chime in on that when you're talking about solidarity and how they were not losing steam 146 to now 148 days into the strike. Um, it, you, as you can see from the latest like couple weeks that when certain talk shows were trying to come back and, and claim that they are were exempt because certain shows are exempt from the uh, WGA strike. They were not considered a struck show um, such as reality shows, but some of these talk shows uh, do employ WGA writers. And so let's say, you know, sorry, Drew Barrymore, but that was the. How upset is she at very, her like handlers for like making, cause I, I doubt it was entirely her decision, but like the people who told her to do this and that it would be a good idea and to, just see that if you just waited one more week, yeah, you will yeah, be fine. And, and there's everyone... also some theories though that like that incident and that whole ordeal kind of also showed that mm -hmm. you could not get away with scabbing, yeah, and At... that the general public was just more informed and more on the writer's side than even the companies initially thought. Yeah. And Drew Barrymore is not a hated person. She is generally like America's sweetheart. So for her to get flack really kind of showed um, that the, the general uh, feeling of everybody about who was in the right. So, yeah. Sorry, Drew Barrymore. Um, you should have like let Bill Maher be first, you know, saying that he was <laughs> going to return. But unfortunately, she was the first. And so she got all the flack. People weren't paying attention to like Sherry Shepard or the other people who said that they were coming back. But Drew Barrymore for sure. Um, and the thing is, she wasn't violating the SAG strike, even though she is an actor, but it was the writer's strike. Um, so it's, it was also a complicated thing that people were like, I don't get it. So, um, yeah, I'm really, really, really happy for the writers. Um, I actually have been employing a, uh, a struck writer, um, as my pet sitter. So after this trip, uh, she will probably be gainfully employed again. Um, Yay. but yeah, so I'm happy about that. I'll have to find a new pet sitter, but, um, yeah, um, yeah. We've been doing things, or at least I've been doing things to try to support the uh, the writers who have been out of work. So yeah, I guess do we want this? Yeah, hell yes, yeah. We want a good, good deal. We love it when labor wins. <laughs> One know? more union One family. More. 
And on that, oh, and just a fun thing also, uh, WGA East, so the you know, East Coast New York based part of the guild elected Lisa Takuchi Cullen as its new president. So Asian American yeah. labor leader over there. That's super cool. Labor um, wins I'm, and a go Asian moment. This is I, the uh, best day ever. I, yeah, I'm actually part of that union. So I'm on the east side. Uh, so exciting, exciting times for all WGA. Yeah. Good for them. I'm excited. I hope it's because it, it's been, it was rough, like kind of seeing that the inevitable downslide of conditions that was like, you know, going to lead to the strike. Mm-hmm. So I really hope like there's a little more optimism The other than the whole AI thing, which has been big. It's like, wow, like staffing minimums, you know, like they can't just have like four executive producers and one staff writer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. That's going to really help just the general over, like the overall, like ability to like for people to find work. The, also, I, I have to give it to them picketing this long, but also in the worst of the heat and the worst of the rainstorm. Worst of the heat, worst of the rain. Communicated yeah. so well over social media. Mm-hmm. I feel like social media was a game changer for this strike. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the writers could, you know, write and talk talk about their stories directly to the people. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Amazing. Yeah. What an achievement to do that in this, the dying days of Twitter. <laughs> I will say, I think. I think Twitter is going to be a little sparse. Twitter has been really good during the strike because all of the workers, all the writers have been like, you know, on it um, yeah. and like very, really good stuff. And now I'm like, no, I mean, go get paid to write. But thank you for your service. Mm-hmm. I'm going to miss the last, the last hurrah of Twitter. That being said, though, I'm also bracing myself for whatever retaliatory shenanigans the studios will inevitably try to do right. Sure. I mean, you know, uh, a studio's got a studio, right? So we'll get there they're always going to try that. Yeah, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. They're staying in character. Yeah. <laughs> well, congratulations to the writers. Um, hopefully, this will lead to a good deal for the actors as well, and we'll get back to into the swing of, you know, making good pop culture or bad pop culture. You can't always you can't always have home runs, but. Um, excited for what's next. Excited for all our writers, friends who who um, fought the good fight and you know came out on top. Um, Han, what's your next story? Uh, this is sort of a a simultaneous sort of thing because we have not watched it yet. But Great British Bake Off is back, at least in the uh, overseas. So we, by the time you listen to this, it will be back on Netflix in America. <laughs> um, what is significant about the season is that we have a host of color. Um, her name is Alison Hammond. She is uh, an English TV personality. She started out on Big Brother, but then also just was on all of the reality shows, you know, doing various hosting things and stuff like that. So she kind of is well um, seasoned for this. She's also done a little bit of acting. She's very, very funny. Um, and she she kind of fits sort of the age range. She's about 48. So it's not like they're you know, hiring some sort of green person who might like be bullied by these other people. Um, so yeah, uh, do we want this? Hell yes. Let's go back. Let's go back to when Great British Bake Off was great. <laughs> Is Mary Berry coming back? No, I mean, uh, we're never gonna no. get that. But yeah. you know, at least like let's not have a moment in every episode where like I cringe because Matt Lucas said something super racist. Yeah, like, I bare I... minimum. Can we have that? <laughs> I mean, he is not back, I don't believe, right? He left. No, he's um, gone, so I'm glad. And and the sort of you 
gain some, you lose some is simultaneous to the season. They did also announce this was like a month or two ago that they were eliminating the cringy um, country themed week. Uh, challenges. I which, think that's um, a good move, getting rid of the sh- ethnic food challenges because well, they proved that they could not pull that off. Well, see, that's what I'm I'm kind of angry about. It's kind of like when people are like, well, who cares about diversity? Because I you keep saying I do it wrong. So I'm just like, you could have just learned and hired the right people. But great. Yeah. You, you know, just just eliminate it. So I'm angry about it. But, you know, you're probably right. No matter what they did, they probably would have gotten it wrong. But at the same time, I was like, you didn't even try. You know, so and even on like on the base, like just pure like technical level, like stop making them cook. Like yeah. stop making them cook. This is not a cooking challenge. This yeah, is bake it's off. a baking. Yes, like like I don't think a taco is baking. Yeah, a taco. Yeah. I'm air quotes, but yeah, yeah. It's it's like exactly like um like with Japan, it made sense. They made that sort of like whatever sponge cake or whatever that airy steam cake is, um, because that's baking. But like. I think they did a bow and I was like, I mean, I guess it's dough, but that's not baking. So it's just, I don't know. There's a lot of. Yeah. Lines. Cause there's so many other Chinese. Anyways, we don't have to relitigate yes. Yes. the <laughs> terrible, <laughs> terrible challenges in the past. We um, will still be discussing it by the time we come back and watch bake off. Anyway, I'm going to be dying. I'm going to be terminally ill on my deathbed. being like, why did they do that? <laughs> I am excited for this as well. Um, Bake Off is one of the shows that my wife and I like to watch together. Um, we like the vibes. We like the challenges. Um, hopefully the vibes stay intact. Like the vibes have been shifting like every season, right? Mm-hmm. Ever since um, Paul Hollywood became more of a presence in this show, mm-hmm. I feel like it's taken on less of a pleasant feel, more of like a yeah. this, this is I Paul mean, Hollywood show. show. Right? I mean, to be clear, each time that we had a cringy mexico week or japanese week he was the expert who kept talking so that's why i'm just like you could have just not had paul hollywood be the expert just gotten someone who knew the shit yeah so yeah yeah uh, um but, uh, we also got at least i think two south asians yeah on a go asian note um there are two asian um contestants uh, one is dana who is um a sri lankan no, Dana is South oh, Asian, oh, Indian. So, Indian, she's Indian, right? Yeah, it's, the, uh, the other contestant Saku. is um, Sri Lankan, that's Saku. We have, mm-hmm. And then we have a, a black gentleman by the name of Amos. And then, you know, uh, everyone else is white, so. Yeah, or at least they appear white, yes. The <laughs> the black gentleman, Amos, I was just like, I I think he could be anything. So I was like, you know, we, we claim him. <laughs> it's fine. I'm excited. I'm excited to see what very typical ethnic flavors is going to blow Polly Hollywood's minds this season. He's like, oh my god, there's so much flavor. Like, yeah. what's in that? Garlic? <laughs> it's 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 turmeric. Hello. Yeah. Or whatever. <laughs> it's something yellow. Saffron. Excited uh, is back. Uh, hopefully Go Asian. We'll, we'll bring back the Go Asian segment. Um, when we come back, we'll do a roundup of, the, I guess, by then the first three episodes. Um, yeah. I am sad that I'll be overseas. But at the same time, it'll probably be easier to watch. I was about to, yeah. I'm sure yeah. you can watch it still on Netflix. <laughs> I was also probably gonna watch a few of my <laughs> like dramas that I how how unhinged would it be if like on the day of my wedding, I'm like, all right, everybody, now we're gonna watch Great British Bake Off. Please turn your attention to the screen. Best wedding ever? Hello. Yeah. <laughs> that would be and then surprise cake from the former bake off contestant, blah blah blah. No, the false <laughs> rumors, lies. Um, but I will say, I will say, Han. 
Um, as one of the uh, single guests, you should definitely pay attention to the cake because I've been getting TikToks from these Italian weddings because that's the hot thing. Saw one with my same caterers. Uh-huh. The guy's making the cake all fucking hot. Oh, I will watch like I very handsome Italian chefs. I'm going to I'm going to send this to you and be like, yeah. I'm like, why are they so attractive? They look like they could be in like man skin or something. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, just make they're squirting out like pastry cream. I'm like, OK, <laughs> I was like, this is my wedding. I know. But like, mm, is it that serious? I don't know. Uh, a little amuse bouche. Never hurt anyone. But a moose bouche, but in Italian. But in Italian, whatever this antipasto. It's in buco. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if there's an equivalent. I only know antipasto. Um, I don't think the Italians do little bites. Right. Oh, there's no tapas. Um. By the way, I have done simultaneous uh, Spanish and Italian on my Duolingo now. So. Oh, that's uh, confusing. <laughs> well, the thing is, I'm so far ahead in Spanish that actually it hasn't been too confusing. So it's just Italian where I'm learning the basics, which is kind of fun, actually. Um, it's it's scratching a different itch in my brain. Um, so uh, and in addition to the Vietnamese, I've still been learning and kind of just doing worse at like, I don't know, Vietnamese is so hard for me. So uh, I think it's because of the many dialects that I keep being exposed to. Anyway, so yes, that's how I'm preparing for your trip. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. So that was my news. All right. Um, next up, uh, One Piece got renewed for a second season. Um, the mangaka Ichiro Oda gave a special message on the Netflix YouTube channel. Um, I guess he famously doesn't really show his face. So mm-hmm. he spoke in the form of one of the, one of the transponder snails and announced that season two is in production. Do we want this? Yes. I want Absolutely. it for you two. <laughs> yeah. I, I I mean, it has been a big success story, the fact that they pulled this off. So I'm, you know, more power to the fact that they were able to do this and actually create something pretty decent. Um, also, as you kind of, you know, as we all knew, uh, they did in the same announcement with the gross snail um, mention, you know, that Tony Tone Choppers will definitely be coming. Um, so this is where we, I guess we need to, uh, figure out, is he going to be digital or is he going to be practical? Puppet. Um, I mean, I, I we don't need to figure it out. They're going to figure it out. And yeah, I'm I sure mean, it'll d- look mm-hmm. weird. So cute. <laughs> <laughs> so cute. Well, well yeah. yeah. I'm hoping it's cute. Well, I'm, I mean, he, he is cute, but yeah, that's why I'm kind of worried. Like sometimes they can make practical things look cute um such as baby yoda so we'll see uh i i have my faith in japan they know what's kawaii so that they're experts in it you know <laughs> so we'll we'll see if they can continue this unfortunately yeah, I'm excited. unfortunately han this is an american production so it doesn't matter <laughs> they get they get final say <laughs> um on a related piece of news um i think we mentioned on our one Piece episode that Jamie Lee Curtis is a big fan of One Piece and she's actually officially lobbied on Twitter um, to play the role of Dr. Kureha, who is the mm. I think she's the caretaker of the little reindeer guy. Um, if I'm re- remembering my One Piece lore correctly, it's been a long time and that lore is real dumb. So um, <laughs> it's <laughs> uh, Matt Owens, the co showrunner, has responded saying, You're in if you want it. Once the strike is over, we'll talk. So, yeah. Ooh, and they can start talking at 120129. Yeah. It, it, it really fits, though, because uh, Dr. Korea is elderly doctor. 
Uh, she's <laughs> referred to as a witch. She is the mentor of Tony Tony Chopper. Really great. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. all Jamie Lee Curtis needs to do is just submit her the picture of her cosplaying as this character. And, you know, she provides her own costume. So it'll, it'll, it'll be perfect. Um, yeah, yeah. Excited. Um, I mean, I am not a One Piece super fan, but I am just glad that, again, this is when we can't stop the anime live action adaptation train. You know, as much as just does not feel that they need to exist. And I'm inclined to agree sometimes um, if they were to do it, I'd rather them do it successfully than not. Because yes, then that's fair. Yeah, because this way I don't I don't feel the pain of having it's, it's, a favorite anime ripped from. Yeah. My heart. All right. Uh, Jess, do you have another story? Yes. Um, the Golden Globes, which. Are they still relevant? We can discuss. <laughs> Introduce two new categories, which includes cinematic and box office achievement in motion pictures. So basically, best popular film that people have actually seen. Uh, and that made money so they can invite pe- those stars from that movie to come to the ceremony. And best stand-up comedian on television. That seems like a lot of modifiers. What do we think? Do we want this? Uh, so the Golden Globes has gone through a wild few years, right? Last few years yes. um, where, where they underwent a lot of scrutiny for scandals, yes. uh, including some not so great uh, accusations that members were being very heavily influenced financially by having trips to Paris. Um, and that's why Emily in Paris would win. So, you know, they tried to get rid of some of that uh, scandalous um, bribery. Um, and then there were other uh, allegations of racism, also the stuff. So anyway, long story short, the Golden Globes are no longer necessarily uh, part part of the HFPA's, the Hollywood Press, Foreign Press Association sort of thing anymore. It got like sold to some other dudes, um, uh, subsidiary or whatever. So it's gonna be a whole new beast. Um, I think in the past the whole deal with the Golden Globes was it combined movies and TV. And so you could all, you could see your favorite actors all in the same room and they usually provided alcohol. So that meant they were drunk also. Mm-hmm. Um, so with these two new categories, it does very much look like almost like a uh, people's choice award when it comes to the movies. Cause they're just like, it's not based on votes. It just seems to be like performance. Right. Um, so that seems like it's just, they want to make sure they get the popular thing in. Right. Uh, when it comes to stand up, I'm not sure how that's going to play out because there are, of course, several like somewhat controversial artists. So I'm wondering who's going to win. But they also did say comedic group has a chance. Um, and so that's where I actually am kind of more interested because there's definitely a lot of people don't like pay attention to like uh, comedy troops or groups that much anymore. So that could be interesting. So I don't have like a fondness for the Golden Globes to actually want or not want anything. But in general, I don't want this in term like in general, I feel like I don't want this because it feels like this is like this is what happens when an award show becomes desperate for relevance and starts to open up its umbrella to things that probably shouldn't open up its umbrella to. Um, Mission creep. I've seen this happen. We know this, Margo. We know this. Several 
organizations that I've worked with or, or worked against dun, dun, dun. <laughs> over the years. And it's always like, okay, like technically this does follow the the mission of the organization, but the but the reasons behind this move is so transparent if you just look and it's yeah. not great, right? I mean, that's kind of always been the case, though. I think that's why at the beginning of the pandemic, all of these award shows suffered because they knew if they had a televised award show and there were no stars, then they couldn't get their advertisers. It's just not, you know, it's not good financially. So these awards are definitely a money grab, you know, uh, when it comes to both sponsors, but also viewership. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's why I was saying it feels like the people's choice awards when it comes to this movie right. award. Cause yeah. there's no Academy anymore. There's so there's no voting body. So how do you even set the rubric to judge a stand-up comedy special, right? Is it based on production or the stand-up comedy? And if it's a stand-up comedy, why not just leave that to the stand-up comedy awards? If there is one out there. Also, yeah. I feel like asking to ordain a stand-up comic is just going to be, so troublesome for them down the line because i mean it was kind of like you know even the hosts they would ask to the, the stand-up the comedians they would ask to host like like even those choices have not aged well uh ricky you know, gervais, ricky gervais <laughs> too many times Tina Fey, yeah. you know yeah. like it's just like that's enough comedic like yeah. like it's- acceptance from ea on high um yeah, that's not going to end well. Just knowing, just just knowing it's not going <laughs> to end well. Like yeah. if, you know, like Hassan Minaj probably would have won one of these awards if, Except- <laughs> you know, this was happening, this existed. I'm like, oh, I, like no comedians clean. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's okay. I don't think any of the, anyone on the Golden Globes committee is thinking long term at this point. No, that's fine. Yeah. But don't you love how this is not our problem? I, yeah, no, y'all. It. Yeah. I, I, I'm so happy. I mean, who knows? Maybe I'm going to have to report on it. We'll see. But I just, uh, yeah. I'm just seeing the Marie Kondo gift where she's like, I love mess. Mess. Yeah. <laughs> that That's a very helpful gift for many situations. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's also, I think the, the timing of this is makes sense just because with the, Again, with the end of the writer strike, or at least it was in sight when they first made this announcement, I believe, or was it yeah. today when they? Anyway, so yeah, um, it it makes sense that they are now going full steam ahead when it comes to award shows because there were so many stoppages, like not just regular TV shows and late night, but we didn't know if any of these award, you know, award season is usually by the end of the year, right? So you get all your best of lists, your, all your critics awards, um, and we. We didn't know if these big, you know, Oscar bait movies would have anything going for it. So that was actually a worrisome thing for the industry because as much as I personally don't like awards, they do do something when it comes to distributing um, and honoring people who, you know, have chances in the future. So, yeah, I mean, I guess technically Golden Globes isn't necessarily that respected, (laughs) but at the same time, no awards uh, is perfect. So as much as I would love everything to be just like the Independent Spirit Awards or whatever, um, and that's even very white. So, um, yeah, it, you know, use it what you can. Maybe we can get a good person in there for the, the comedy award. 
All right. So um, our last story or my last story is something that dropped yesterday that I wasn't really expecting. It's another Netflix, uh, upcoming Netflix project. It's a documentary called Yellow Door, 90s Lo-Fi Film Club, which is going to be a documentary about early 90s um, cinema clubs in South Korea. And one of these clubs is called Yellow Film Door Club, uh, which includes in its membership award-winning director Bong Joon-ho. And so he's a big part. He's a big talking hit in this documentary. So I think it's a really cool. Um, I've seen this version of like new wave Taiwanese cinema a few years ago. Mm-hmm. Like there's a documentary. I forgot what it was called, but there's there's one on that. So I'm assuming this will be similar, kind of just following the careers or following the the um, the experiences of these like young cinephiles and how it inspired them to make their own films. Because one of the things that I think people don't realize when they're watching films like Parasite or Burning mm-hmm. is like these. Korean directors didn't learn film like just in a vacuum. Like they studied like film and used that to tell their own stories. And I think that's it's a, it'll be a really interesting um, view into that world. Do we want this? Uh, yeah, I, I didn't know this. Uh, I didn't see this trailer earlier. So this sounds really cool. I I usually the fact that we're in America, you know, often means that we're not following, you know, the trends of uh, cinema elsewhere. And we get kind of what we get over here like i think old boy was kind of the first one that really hit for us in america and so there was sort of a new wave of a uh, korean cinema that kind of was ushered in, in over here but we don't kind of know where it came from so i think this will offer some insights i think and also just what the culture was in general um sounds fun yeah yeah always love learning more about other country because we're so we're so american centric (laughs) it's embarrassing it's a little embarrassing and we really like to think we invented everything yeah and but even if we didn't invent stuff like other countries can do it better like this you know Mm -hmm. american exceptionalism only exists in our minds and only like really if you're if you buy that stuff anyways so um yeah it's there's yeah there's this there's still this like stereotype that like asian cultures are not creative right like they're not (laughs) They're not able to produce like, like we're great at making tech and we're great at like orderly yeah. things, but they can't be like creative artistic. I'm like, no, bitch. And like all that falls apart when you realize that current modern day like action film choreography would not exist if it wasn't for Hong Kong and Taiwanese cinema. Right. The Matrix just made wuxia moves mm-hmm. mainstream, but people have been doing wire work for decades before that. Yeah. Oh, and if you want to talk about fashion, there's a fascinating um, series called Articles of Interest where they talk about how basically classic American Mm -hmm. style (laughs) is because of this Japanese guy. Like it's from Mm -hmm. classic American style is actually filtered through Japanese lens and culture. Just fascinating. Like like there's a reason why Uniqlo exists. (laughs) That's a great oh. podcast, by the way. There's they did a really good early mm-hmm. uh, episode on pockets that I learned a lot about why my wife's stuff about how no men get pockets and women don't, and it's so <laughs> fucked up. Yeah. Oh, I'm excited you mentioned that because that's been on my list for a while and I keep forgetting it. So I think that will be a download for the plane. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. You'll you'll have a good time. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So the Yellow Yellow Door 90s Lo-Fi Film Club is set to have its world premiere at Pusan in early October mm-hmm. and will launch on Netflix on October 27th. So, um, yeah, we'll probably do this film when we come back in, from, from our hiatus. That and Bake Off. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that will do it for Do We Want This for September 2023 and 
for this episode of the Good Pop Culture Club. Um, as we mentioned, we're going to go on hiatus for a few weeks, um, traveling to Europe for Jess's wedding. So when we come back, um, we'll have stories to share. Um, I'll probably drop some of our other potluck shows in the meantime, so you won't be bored, hopefully. But yeah, um, if you want to follow, if people want to follow your European adventures, where can they go? <laughs> you can follow me. I think I'm still public, I guess. I guess you could just follow me on my personal Instagram, yeah. giraffe and a half. Enjoy the wedding content. <laughs> Look, just follow the hashtag, which is Dick with Chua, right? Dick with Chua. No yes. H. With Chua. Uh, Stick W I T C H U A. Yes, that is the hashtag. And I will be using that too. I assume maybe Marvin might, um, or at least other people at the wedding. So you can just see all of these random Asians in Italy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be fun. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Marvin Yuet. I'll be doing plenty of Instagram stories as I travel through Spain and Italy on my way. Oh, I'm to excited. <laughs> Yes. Um, you can follow our podcast at goodpop.club. We are a proud member, as always, of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Check it out, fellow Asian American hosts of the podcast by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, thanks for listening to the Good Pop Culture Club. Um, we'll be back in November, I guess. Um, so um, yeah, follow us on Instagram if you want to follow our adventures. And we'll see you all next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. It's a little crazy sometimes. Sometimes it's confusing, sometimes it's funny, sometimes it's beautiful, and sometimes it can just piss us off. Enter First of All Podcast. It's a safe space for real conversations about the things that we all struggle with, celebrate, contemplate, and work through in our daily lives. I'm your host, Mindy Chang. I'm an actor, filmmaker, and entrepreneur with a colorful background, a full life, and brilliant friends who I love to unpack life with to share with all of you. They are everyday people like you and me, ranging from award-winning artists, cultural icons, powerful CEOs, my hilarious childhood friends, and even my mom. Tune in for honest conversations on mental health, dating, sex, family, career, culture, and everything in between. Listen to First of All wherever you find podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective.